Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Chapter 3. We left that counseling session and... A few, maybe a weeks later, I ended up finding this super random job working for a bank. And it was essentially just doing like data entry. I don't even fully remember. I just remember they had all of these papers that they had scanned in. And they were trying to go from being completely paper files for everyone that they had in their system to everything in a computer. And so what they had people do was essentially just transfer this information from the scan document into this data entry on this program, a system. And it was just a work from home. I think I got paid like $25 an hour. I just worked in my pajamas and all I did was sit on the computer and look at the screen and transfer information over. And so obviously that was a very easy job to do. So I ended up doing that, I would say for two months in the beginning of 2015, just in the meantime of trying to figure out what I was really doing with my life. At the same time, my sister had agreed (laughs) to let me give her a meal plan, give her a workout plan. She was my little guinea pig for trying to pursue this fitness career that I wanted to do. Luckily for both of us, it worked out. We would meet at the gym a couple of times a week and she would follow the meal plan. She worked out. She ended up losing 25 pounds in two months. No one even really knew I was doing this. We were just doing it together. I put together her before and after picture side by side. And I just put it out in the world. I just posted it on my social media media. And I was like, look at my sister. This is what I did for her. It was awesome. And that same night, I remember sitting on the couch in the house and I posted it. The rest of the night, all I was doing was answering messages, answering emails of people being like, how do I do this? Can you coach me? I want to do this. How much do you charge? That is when everything changed for my business. That's when I really got started on my health and wellness brand, my career, my personal brand. It was so much fun. I was having so much fun doing that. So that is when I started that. Simultaneously to all of this going on with my sister and me starting this new career. My mom, unfortunately, just was getting worse. She really couldn't stand to see my dad slowly decline mentally. He was getting worse as well. I'm not even sure what was going on. The deal was, as we sent my mom to Florida to be with her parents, that they they were here in Oklahoma City for as long as they could be. I think they were here for six months. We all just decided collectively that it was just best if they left and my mom just needed to be separate and away from my dad. We sent her there maybe February of 2015. She ended up being there for two or three months. I think in April she came back. But in the meantime and during all that time, it was 
it was very sad. My grandma shared with us a lot of painful moments, constant talks. My mom constantly in breakdown mode, super anxious all the time, saying how she wanted to die all the time, how she wanted to do it, how she was going to do it, how she wanted to drown herself, how she wanted to overdose, just all these things. There was multiple times they just randomly couldn't find her and she would just be in very weird places like outside in the front or in the back by the pond and even at one point they found her on the driveway just crying and laying down crying and I don't know it was I mean I wasn't there and I know gosh I can't even imagine really what was going on it just my grandparents took on so much with her specifically but the whole situation I can only imagine how emotionally draining that must have been meanwhile my dad it's very blurry but I really don't think he was getting any better either just not doing much with his life. We did end up going to Florida for my sister's 21st birthday, which was in March. So my mom was definitely still there. So we all went as a family and it was okay. It was as good as possible. We did have some fun times. We went out for my sister's birthday. And I remember one night we all went out as a family, but my mom and my dad went out separate and they did their, they did their own thing. I just remember it being super awkward. Like they were just so awkward, just not lovey-dovey and just very like, oh, okay, I guess we can go do that. Honestly, to this very day, I think there was something going on behind the scenes. I think there was something that they were not telling us. Something had happened that they did not want to disclose to us. Something must have happened because there was so much trauma all of a sudden, just out of nowhere. And I don't know if it was built up and it all came out or one major thing happened, but January 2014 changed everything for my family. So my mother came back to Oklahoma City in April of 2015. We greeted her at the airport with a sign and flowers, and I just remember it being such a happy day, and she seemed to be doing really well. I really thought that would be a turning point. I really, really thought it would be a turning point because the fact that my grandparents would even send her back must have meant that there was a lot of healing and that she was doing better. I mean, I know for a fact they wouldn't have sent her back had there been any reasoning to believe that she wasn't doing better. I was like, okay, this maybe this is where this takes a turn. Everything can just go up from here. That wasn't the case. Things just went right back to the way they were and my mom's behavior started being even more sporadic and irrational. She would leave the house randomly all day, not come home, sometimes not even taking her phone with her. No one knew where she was going, what she was doing. There was one incident where, and I'm not even sure why we suspected something had happened. Somehow we just knew that there was something bad, whether my dad told us she had said something and then left very quickly and we were worried about her. We ended up trapped her phone somehow. It pinged that she was at the airport, which is super weird. I don't know why she was at the airport, but I was. we were like, okay, is she getting on a flight? Like, I ended up calling a cop friend that I had and I just told her the situation and I was like, can you go check on my mom? It says she's at the airport. I called my mom. I'm sure we called her over and over and over, but she answered the phone and she was crying. And at the same time, while I was on the phone with her, my cop friend found her car, found her and, you know, parked and was walking up to her. And I just remember my mom saying, you called Cassie, just her breaking down. Oh my gosh. It was just the saddest thing to hear. So I can hear my friend in the background being like, 
Tony, what's going on? And my mom just bawling her eyes out and just saying she can't do this anymore. She was really, really, really hopeless at that point. Somehow she ended up coming to my house and I remember laying there and I had a pad and a pen. At this point, I'm 25 years old. I'm in a marriage I'm not supposed to be in. I have no emotional intelligence whatsoever. I have no clue how to deal with my parents. Not one single clue. The only thing I knew what to do was to just be there as much as I could and just be present and be physically there. So I got out a pen and paper and I was just so determined to figure this out. I was like, what happened? Where did this start? And I just really tried to like pull things out of her and I was writing them down and she just never gave me any answers. She was just like, I don't know. And I just remember laying there and I just wanted to help her so bad as a daughter watching your mom suffer from depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts. You want to help as much as you can, but God, I just did not know how to do it at all. I mean, it was just painful for me as well. And I'm sure she was just looking at me like, you can't help me. I'm I'm too far gone. In June of 2015, I think we all came to the realization that we had failed. Our efforts were not good enough. If you've ever been around someone or has to take care of someone that is suicidal, it's very defeating. We aren't in their minds. We can't empathize with what they are feeling. It seems foreign to me to ever be that low, like how someone can be that low or those thoughts even come into their mind, even fleetingly. To be that low, I can't even fathom that kind of pain. The pain of being okay with leaving behind four kids, a husband, albeit he wasn't the most present husband in the last year and a half, but countless friends and your parents that are still alive and siblings and relatives and so many people that love you. It was very hard to watch someone wake up every day and not want to be alive. June 21st, 2015 will always be the worst day and night of my life. And I don't think those feelings I felt that day will ever leave me. It's funny because that is the only time I could remember even feeling anything, but I definitely felt this. It was Father's Day that year on a Sunday. Our entire family was planning on going to church together. We hadn't been to church together as a family in a really long time, so I think we were all really excited. But apparently my mom had other plans for that day. We show up to the house and my mom's car is gone. And we walk in and my dad claims she left while he was in the shower. His words on this day were, I woke up on my side and when I opened my eyes, your mother was staring at me, just staring at me. I'm almost positive he said there were no words spoken, but that he got up and went to the shower, and when he got out, she was gone. My parents had cameras on the outside of their house, so we get on the security, and sure enough, she had left not long before we got there, probably within less than an hour. We could see her face on the camera as she was scrambling to the car. Her face looked frightened, she looked very scared, and she looked like she was in a hurry. She knew exactly what she was going to do. We obviously didn't end up going to church, and she had already pulled so many of these stunts. We were just ready and willing to wait it out until she got back, like a lost puppy, like she always did. Even worse than that, she left her phone at the house. Pretty sure on purpose. We wait all day that day. We just waited all day that day, and there isn't anything we could do. 
She didn't take her phone. The only way to know where someone is is to track their phone. I'm pretty sure my dad just ended up popping some Xanax and going back to bed. I remember feeling really low in my marriage at this point as well. I ended up going to the gym about mid-afternoon of the day and I wrote and I still have a note on my phone dated June 21st, 2015 with me just pouring my heart out with everything I felt in my marriage, everything I felt he did and didn't do, what our marriage was like, just this whole list of things that I was ready and to confront him with all of this information. Even that night, I was at back at my house with my husband and we weren't even talking for some reason. I don't know. We probably had a stupid fight. I can't even remember the reason. Apparently during all this, my little brother and my little sister had been playing FBI and I got a picture from my sister of a credit card transaction and her words were, quote unquote, gotcha. My mom had used the card to check herself into a hotel. I thought, okay, she needs space. She wants to cool off, whatever. Maybe this is a good thing. Hours later, I'm in a crappy mood with my husband and my marriage and just laying in bed. I get a few phone calls from my family. I think one from my sister, a couple from my dad. Just remember not answering them at first. I decide to call my sister back. It rings. She answered. All I hear are her choked up words saying, we heard a gunshot. My heart drops. I'm instantly in shock. I jump out of the bed, scrambling, trying to ask her exactly where she is. So she tells me that they are at the American. It's a hotel off I-40 and Meridian. I throw clothes on. I tell my husband what she said, and we just sprinted out the door. This horrific car ride was felt like the longest car ride of my life. I was in so much shock. I was uncontrollably shaking. My legs were uncontrollably shaking. I wasn't crying. It was like the tears couldn't come out, although it felt like I was crying, but with no tears. We were speeding down the roads, the highways. It was Sunday at 9 p.m., so there really wasn't much much traffic, so we were able to really speed and get there as soon as possible. We get off the exit that we needed to get off and pull up to the light, and we pull up right next to my older brother and his girlfriend at the time. My brother and I were both in the passenger seats as my husband and his girlfriend were driving, and my husband rolls down the window, and he rolls down the window. And we both just looked at each other and we just started crying because at that point, we just knew, we knew it was over. We get to the hotel in the next minute and we somehow kind of end up in the back of the hotel in the parking lot. And so we both jump out of the car and start running around towards the front and we're holding hands as we're running and I stop. And I stopped because I honestly didn't want to face this situation And I was saying, no, I don't want to go. No, I don't want to go. But my brother just pulled me and we kept running. The first thing I see is a bunch of people scrambled around the entrance outside. Ambulances, fire trucks, cops. I see my little brother laying on the ground in the grass with his hands on his face. At that moment, I still didn't have the answer on whether or not she was alive or not. The next thing I see is my sister walking out of the doors of the hotel with a cup of water in her hand. And I look at her and all she did was shake her head no. And that's when I knew. And that's when I broke down. That was the first tears that I cried. As soon as I saw her shake her head, I just instantly 
broke down. My husband came running around the corner and I just grabbed him and I hugged him sobbing and just saying, how could she do this? Repeatedly, I just said, how could she do this? Funny how we just instantly go into selfish mode, right? I mean, my mother was in a much better place than she was being here. And that's a fact. The next thing I see is my dad and our good family friend, Bill, who are sitting on a bench right outside the entrance. And my dad, like me in the car, was hysterical, but not crying. Just closing his eyes and rocking back and forth, just saying, no, no. He's already not in the best mental state. And I remember the feeling of just utter despair, just thinking, what are we going to do with him? He's going to have to be on full-time suicide watch. After I calmed myself down a little bit and there's chaos everywhere, but some time had passed and I just, at that point, I wanted to protect my dad at all costs. A cop came over and was trying to talk to my dad. I remember being very rude and defensive and just trying to say, excuse me, are you aware of what just happened? What we are going through? And I remember just being so mad at that cop at the time. I don't remember the questions he was trying to ask, but it just felt very inappropriate for what was happening in the current situation. More and more of our family friends just start showing up. But, you know, a couple of our family friends that were my parents' friends just show up to the scene. You know, we all break down together. Like, it just, God, it just felt like we were in a movie. It was just the craziest situation I've ever been. And you can't prepare yourself for something like that. Like, one minute I'm laying in bed about to go to sleep, and the next I'm at a hotel watching a crime scene and personnel go into a hotel to go get my mom had just killed herself. How do you wrap your mind around that? At some time, I'm not even exactly sure why, but the cop had to take my dad to a holding center, I guess for suicide watch during this time. I I don't know what this place was called. Apparently it's a thing. It's not like a mental hospital and it's not a hospital, but it's just a place where you go if you need to have like a holding time for some reason. I'm I'm not even exactly sure. Everyone was just in a daze of confusion and just wondering how is this happening right now? So then it's time to go home. The saddest part for me is I will never know what she was doing all day long. She left the house at 10 a.m. And I'll never know what she was going through, what she was thinking, like how low you have to be to check yourself into a hotel with a gun and sit there all day. And what what are you, what do you do? What are you thinking about? I'll never know. I'll just, I'll never know. So then time had passed and time to go home. The world doesn't stop for something like this. The world goes back to normal. The receptionist goes back to doing her job and everyone goes home. No one prepares you for what to do next. My husband and I's house became Grand Central Station for the aftermath of this tragic incident. It was late Sunday night and so many people started showing up to the house and stayed there for hours on end. I thought to myself, how am I supposed to go to bed? How do you just go to sleep after this? Somehow I did, but I also knew that my dad was, wasn't going to be held super long and I was expecting his phone call. He ended up calling me at 6.30 a.m. that next morning after maybe getting an hour of off and on sleep. Me and my sister and my ex all went to go pick him up. That car ride home, I have no words. I mean, it felt like an eternity. No one said anything. 
It was silent. It was very early in the morning. I started to contact all of my friends to tell them the news just so they wouldn't hear it from anyone else. This would start a couple weeks of torture. Since our house was the Grand Central Station, every time someone would show up to the house, and it felt like it didn't stop, I would cry all over again because they would show up and they would immediately start crying. And then I would start crying. This happened every 30 minutes probably. So you cry, you get it out, and then you kind of calm down and then someone else shows up and you start that process all over again. And pretty soon my house was filled with food, flowers, and friends. And funerals are very weird. There is no time to process, no time to wait. We had to immediately start planning her funeral and no one prepares you for anything like that from life to death, just overnight. It's a strange feeling and a really sad feeling to know you could call someone and have them answer the phone. And then within 24 hours, it's not possible. It's not like they aren't just not answering or they're busy. It's that you literally cannot call them. That week at the house was so hard. My dad was in a pretty bad state most of the time. Again, I wanted to protect him. I wanted to help him, make sure he was okay at all times. I remember one night, it was pretty, not super late, but it was late and he was laying there and I think he was maybe trying to go to sleep and there was quite a bit of people at the house and not everyone's in a sad and gloomy mood. I think people were chatting and they were laughing and I just remember my dad just looking over at them and being like, what are you guys doing? How are you laughing right now? And he was just very upset. And he, I don't know. I was just like, I know, I'm sorry. I don't know what they're doing. And it was just very, very strange. The wake and the funeral were times I can look back and clearly see where my disassociation was apparent and multiple people made comments about it. There is a wake before the funeral where everyone gathers. I was walking around like it was a cocktail party. I was being super cheerful and I was striking up conversation. There are ways you can take these moments and choose to talk about the happy moments, but it wasn't like that for me. It was like, do not feel, do not feel, do not feel. Even to the point where when we went in to see my mom because it was an open casket and everyone was so emotional, clearly. It's very sad. I mean, crying, they're hysterical. I remember having to drag my sister in the room. At first, she didn't even want to go in at all. And she was bawling, just tippy-toeing in there. And I, I just went into the room. I didn't cry. I looked at my mom. I smiled. She was lifeless. And I was also lifeless. It's like I didn't want the emotion to come up. I blocked that shit as much as I could. Then the next day at the funeral, it was just a lot of the same behavior. I was very disassociated and trying to distract myself in any way possible. It was held in the church that we went to. I could hear the place getting busier and I could feel and hear a lot of people in attendance. We lined up at the side door after everyone was already inside and they escort the family in, you know, to the front row. And the first time I cried was when they walked the family in from the side door and everyone was already seated. I think maybe at this time they were standing up when we walked in. That was so uncomfortable for me. But when I saw my friends, all of my girlfriends lined up in the same row and they were looking at me and they were bawling, that is when 
I started to break down and just seeing them staring at me with such like, you poor girl. And that's when I I did start crying a little bit. Throughout the funeral, I was in and out of emotion. The music and the songs are mainly what got me. I mean, when the pastor was talking, it was like, okay, talking about happy times. And then music for me just always brings up so much emotion. So that's really when I would start to cry. There was one song that and my sister could probably tell you what it was because I don't remember, but she stood up and went to the casket and just fell on top of it. And then my grandma got up and did the same thing. That's another time that I really did break down seeing my my sister go over there and just lay on top of my mom. And I think that's when it really set in. This is my mom's funeral. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.